the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm not sure this is what Cassidy Hutchinson was going for yesterday when she went before the January 6th committee. She is now uh, appearing on social media in montages with uh, Christine Blasey Ford, Jussie Smollett, and Amber Heard. Uh, that's the Mount Rushmore of liars. <laughs> now, Cassidy Hutchinson worked in the White House. She was you know, in a position of, uh, I mean, some import working in the White House. It's a position of some import. And she told the January 6th committee yesterday, um, first of all, it was really odd. It was odd, odd. The whole thing was odd. It was odd in that it was billed like, oh, hey, oh, we found this witness. And we got to have a special hearing to have Cassidy Hutchinson come before the J6 committee and tell us what we just learned. And so, okay, I'm game. I'll, uh, I'll tune in. I'll watch. And I tune in, and Cassidy Hutchinson really said very little in the hearing. Live. Like she said almost nothing live. Everything she said, pretty much everything she said, was on tape from an interview that they did with her at some other previous location. And now I found out (laughs) that she did four interviews with the January 6th commission. In addition to yesterday's. So what's the need for her to be a last-minute surprise witness if they had her on tape and she was there, or at least in front of them in some capacity, four different times? So that was weird. The bombshell testimony that she gave was not something she observed with her own eyes. She said that after Donald Trump spoke on January 6th and after the riot began at the Capitol, that Trump told his guys, I want to go to the Capitol. And they're like, no, you can't. It's unsafe. And our job as a Secret Service is to protect you. So you can't go. And she's like relating Trump swore at them. That I'm the president, and I want to go. And his top handler said, no, can't go. And according to her, and again, she didn't see this. She's relaying something someone else told her. (laughs) Trump lunged for the steering wheel of the limousine. Now, have you ever seen the presidential limousine? Do you know what they call the presidential limousine? They call the presidential limousine the Beast. And there are myriad reasons why they call the presidential limousine the Beast. The Beast is very large, very impregnable. And I'm thinking, 
I've ridden in, you know, a few limousines. I'm not well-versed in limousines, but the limousines that I've ridden in are not vehicles that even if I wanted to, I could lunge from where I'm sitting and get anywhere near the steering wheel. I mean, that not that the whole idea of the limousine? Is that you have a driver, often separated from the passengers by a partition. I will allow for the possibility that the partition is down so that Trump could get to the driver if he wanted to. But is Trump sitting in, like, the jump seat of the limousine? or what? Like, wouldn't Trump? Let me just postulate a theory here. The presidential limousine. Who is the most important passenger in the presidential limousine? Would it be the president? I'm, I'm guessing that's a yes. If I had a bell, I would ring it. So he's the most important passenger. Now, the most important passenger in the limousine, of any limousine, sits where? Don't they sit in the back of the limousine? I think so. I think so. So he's clearing the back of the beast, and he's able to... Trump, I'm, I've met Trump. I've shaken Trump's hand. He's a big man. He's a very big man. But he doesn't strike me as nimble enough to lunge from the back of a limousine and get to the steering wheel of a limousine. Just saying. So, that that to me was odd. Very odd. Now, the other part of this that's odd is, this is a legal hearing, right? They're hoping to bring forward testimony, evidence, that pretty much torches Donald Trump's political career. I mean, that is the end game of this whole entire thing is we don't want any chance that Donald Trump returns in 2024 and gets a real president. It's bad enough that he gives endorsements of people like J.D. Vance and puts them over the top and Mehmet Oz and all these other people across the country who are winning because they have Donald Trump's stamp of approval on them. That's certainly chafing away at Democratic politicians and Liz Cheney. But their whole end game is, let's get rid of Donald Trump. Okay, so that's the idea. Let's not lose sight of the ball here. Keep your eye on the ball, Liz. You're going to bring in somebody who worked in the White House for Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of Donald Trump at the time of the January 6th riot. And she's going to testify secondhand hearsay that something happened in the limo that Trump lunged at the driver, and then Trump lunged at his Secret Service guy. That's what she's going to testify. But again, she didn't see it. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I've sat in enough trials to know that when you introduce hearsay evidence, you have to have somebody else who you bring forward right after that to also tell the same story who saw it happen. Not secondhand, but firsthand. They witnessed it. So I'm figuring after she testifies yesterday, we're going to get the limo driver. Or we're going to get the Secret Service guy. And we didn't get either one. We didn't get anything. We got her telling her story, told to her by someone else, but we never got corroboration of her story. This would have been pointed out if the January 6th committee had someone on it who was appointed by a Republican, which is standard practice and procedure in hearings before Congress, but not in this hearing. 
not in this committee. There's no Jim Jordan on it. There's no Jim Banks on it. There's nobody that Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader of the House, wanted on this committee. There's Adam Kitzinger and there's Liz Cheney. And Liz Cheney must have liked what Cassidy Hutchinson had to say yesterday because after Cassidy Hutchinson testified yesterday, Liz Cheney went over and hugged her. Now, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm I'm pretty certain that if a lawyer in a court case calls forward a witness and the witness testifies and the lawyer is so happy with what the witness said that the lawyer goes over and hugs the witness, I'm just going to say that. Well, the jury would take note of that, and they really wouldn't like it much. Because that indicates that they have a cozy relationship. That Cassidy Hutchinson did exactly what Liz Cheney wanted her to do. And that Cassidy Hutchinson's appearance before the committee was more about doing what Liz Cheney wanted her to do and saying what Liz Cheney wanted her to say than, oh, you know, telling the truth. Because already, it was hours, not even hours, after she testified, there were other people in the Secret Service, not on the record yet, but the first report I saw came from NBC News. Now, you and I can disagree on this, but I don't think NBC News is in the business of exonerating Donald Trump. NBC News White House correspondent said that there were two independent sources, one in the Secret Service, who were prepared to come forward and testify under oath that everything Cassidy Hutchinson said about what went on in that limo did not happen. Did not happen. And then, I think it was Matt Finn of Fox, had his own sources who said the exact same thing. So, I'm not really sure what that was yesterday. I know what it's being billed as. It's being billed as powerful testimony, earth-shaking, but not so much. I can only imagine what the news coverage would be nationally, even worldwide, if... 51 people had died in the back of a semi-trailer during the presidency of Donald Trump, trying to be smuggled into the United States. Oh, if we only had an open border, then these kinds of things wouldn't happen. It's proof that Donald Trump hates Hispanic people. Well, of course, that did not happen. During the presidency of Donald Trump, when we had a much more secure border, but it is what happened in San Antonio on Monday afternoon. Semi-tractor trailer, which they believe had mechanical issues, was abandoned uh, near a freeway in an area where there are a bunch of auto scrapyards. And the people in the back were left to die in sweltering heat. No water, no air conditioning. And obviously no cell phone or no cell phone service. Uh, 27 of the dead are believed to be of Mexican descent identifying the bodies is compounded by the fact that many of the migrants in the trailer had fake or stolen documents. 
There was a woman in rural Mexico yesterday, 23 years old, 1,300 miles away, found safe and sound. Her ID was in the trailer. And they presumed that she was in the trailer. She was not. Her ID had been stolen. So this is what authorities are battling as they try to reach family members back in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and the other countries where these people have come from. Lieutenant Governor of Texas Dan Patrick was on Fox this morning. Uh, He has been a staunch critic of the Biden administration, its border policies, with good reason. And he was noting that White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre continues to insist that the border is secure, when in fact it is unequivocally not secure. When I hear Jean-Pierre make that statement that the border is closed, I can't say anything other than this. That's just a flat-out lie. She's lying to the American people. Uh, This administration, Biden still hasn't been to the border. Kamala Harris, who was a joke trip uh, a year ago when she went to El Paso, they have not seen it for themselves. But you know they're getting reports from Border Patrol. Uh, They know it's wide open. You know, we we set a record last month, 239,000. There's another 50 or 60,000 gotaways, people we see we can't catch. And then, of course, there are all the people that cross that we don't see. I've been saying, Dana, for years in my speeches, people should not have to come to America in the back of an 18-wheeler and die. I've been saying that forever. It has been a long standard practice, however, for migrants to get into the country that way. They'll pay between eight and $10,000 to be taken across the border. Pretty simple. Load them into the back of a trailer. How many trucks go across the border? Can't open every one. Then they get into San Antonio or they get into some Texas border town. They transfer into smaller vehicles and they're taken to wherever their final destination might be. The cartels, the smugglers are making millions off of this. We talked about the fentanyl danger yesterday with 150,000 fentanyl tablets found in two containers. Two-and-a-half-gallon containers, the kind you buy herbicide in. They had slit the lid of the container, glued it back together with the fentanyl inside. I saw a picture this morning of a spare tire. A spare tire in a vehicle where they had cut a section of rubber out of the tire. They had then inserted around the circumference of the tire bags of fentanyl pills and cocaine. They had taken cocaine, wrapped it in a bag, put it in the oil filter of a car so that the oil did not corrupt it. It is a well-planned, well-orchestrated operation in which the people who are behind it are essentially untouchable. Because if the people doing the work, the transporting of the drugs get caught, what do the people who have employed them care? They don't care. They don't get paid until the end of the process. And if they don't show up, okay. Cost of doing business. This is never mentioned, of course, on the mainstream media. I don't know how much coverage this even got on the mainstream media. They found 13 people in this tractor trailer. Several of them have since died because the original number was 42. Now it's 51. And some of the survivors, they expect, will have 
brain damage from the excessive heat that they were subjected to. This is not the policy of any administration that authentically cares about people. I know the Biden administration prattled on at length about how cruel Trump's border policies were. Is it cruel to deny somebody access to a country where they have paid thousands of dollars and thus bankrupted themselves and now they're here with no place to live, no job, no reasonable means of success? Is that really cruel? Or, worst case scenario, they drown in the Rio Grande? Or they fry themselves to death in the back of a semi? Is that is that a compassionate border policy? I would argue no, it is not. More from Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick. This is an administration that is a culture of death. Every policy that they have results in death, whether it's soldiers in Afghanistan, whether it's people on the street, innocent victims of criminals are running amok on our streets, whether it's this 51 hapless souls who died a terrible death, these poor people that died in the back of that truck, or whether it's now a plan by the Biden administration to set up abortion camps so that they can take more babies' lives. Everything this administration touches results in death, and these 51 people who died are on their hands, and Jean-Pierre is is in it's just unbelievable she would look America in the eye and say the border is secure. That is just a joke. It's laughable. And in this case, it cost people their lives. And they won't be the last ones. By far, they will not be the last ones. 240,000 who came across in May. And another, what did he say? 50,000 gotaways. The 240,000 are the ones they stopped. How much longer can this go on? Well, the answer is two years and however many months. Because it's not hard to discern whether or not the policy works or even that the policy is uh, compassionate or fair. But they do not care. They do not care. That is glaringly obvious. Here's what the average American who really doesn't have to follow it closely day to day let their eyes tell them what is the truth. Closed means, or secure means, no one's coming in. It's closed. We're right. closed. Can't come in anymore. The doors are shut. And, we had, and we're going to break another record this month. Uh, and all the drugs that are coming in on top of this, all the criminals that are coming on top of this, this is, this is a selling out of America. Um, these people are, are, that come across this border, trust me, there are many who die just in the, in the vast wasteland of Texas in this hot sun when they're dropped off uh, by, by uh, different smugglers in the middle of nowhere with no water, uh, plus the people who have drowned in the river. And the president, does he have no conscience? D- d- does he never hold himself accountable for anything? Uh, that would be no. He doesn't. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.